Namaste. Guess who's back? After another long, prolonged period of being away, I found myself really, really gripped and excited by the idea of what I wanted to speak about in this episode. And I think it's really important um, because it's something that I don't think we consciously think about or consciously are aware about because it's such an abstract function or term for what we apply in our daily lives and, and how we react and reflect on our emotions. And that is flow. And it's a term that I came, became aware of through, you know, my own sort of self-discovery and self-awareness of certain feelings, certain emotions, certain states of being. And simultaneously through a conversation with my sister who was focusing on a literary project for her university degree and the two sort of slammed into each other and it was interesting to have this conversation from a scientific point of view but also from a personal experience type view an opinionated view that isn't necessarily scientifically based and to be able to fuse the two together was something I was rather excited about and to give you sort of perspective on it I want to quickly explain my thoughts and opinions on the concept of flow I want you to think of a river and how it is continuous and lacks beginning and lacks end it's just continuously in movement um, in a way it's like a sphere of comprehension or understanding with constant change um, and how I would explain that in sort of more simple terms is the evolution and changing formation of emotions because as we've discussed before emotions lack a beginning or an ending but rather evolve and are changed from one form into another we don't all of a sudden feel a surge of anger it's a build-up usually of various other emotions and it's enhanced by specific feelings and experiences which relate to various other emotions and so the flow is that that constant fuel i guess for our day-to-day -day reactions to our environments our experiences and that's that's how sort of i would I, it's a tough it's a tough thing to try and conceptualize right and i've always just thought of it as being like yeah i'm i'm in flow i'm in this feeling of 
elation and nourishment and acceptance and happiness as sort of adjective to describe that feeling of flow like but flow isn't necessarily assigned to a positive or a negative connotation right you could be in a a negative flow and yes that's not what we're sort of aiming for it's not the ideal goal or objective for the state that we want to be in it's still a truth you can be in a negative flow but what does that mean it 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 would mean in my mind that you're in this negative continuous state of change based on decisions based on emotions based on experiences and you are struggling to find any way out of it it's a spiral a downward spiral be it but it's still a spiral conversely if you're in a positive flow it means that the decisions that you're making the experiences that you're having and that emotional state that positive emotional state remains constant and and continuous yes it's from a positive point of view but i think that what i'm trying to say here is that the flow is that that moment where you feel like there's no beginning and there's no end it's just continuous and there's not going to be a point where you break out of that so if that is a negative side of things you might think that everything is going against you decisions life um experiences these are all things that are all of a sudden not going the way that you want them to go but from a positive point of view it's everything's going your way everything's going right you somehow are making the right decisions and the, the decisions that are working out in a better way for you and nothing's going to break that and that sort of leads me into the more scientific definition or breakdown of what flow is and if we have to look at what what flow is in a more descriptive way um you know i can tell you that flow is defined as an intense experiential engagement in the present moment with an activity which can be physical or mental so the entire experience is an intense engagement in the present moment so without worrying about anything from the past or having anxiety of the future or future events from a mental or a physical activity so it's basically requiring ultimate focus and ultimate precision and concentration now if we break that down even further ultimately flow can be found when you align major aspects of productivity four major aspects basically the first one being attempting a challenging skill the second aspect being having clear clear goals or a clear path or a, a clear destination the third being concentration and then the fourth being autotelic experience now if we go back to the first aspect you know attempting a challenging skill whatever you're doing should be a challenging thing but not to the point where you don't feel that you have the entire skill set to achieve the end result so you want to challenge yourself but you don't want to 
basically shoot too high um, with the reality of it being that you might not actually have the potential to achieve what you're aiming for. And that's not coming from a negative point of view, but rather just from a realistic point of view where, you know, I can't all of a sudden say, I want to run in the Olympics and win a gold medal in the 100 meter sprint because I don't train every day. I haven't been training for the last three to five years and I don't really have much experience in that realm as it is. So for me to realistically expect the opportunity to, you know, whether I was just, you know, given this opportunity to say, hey, we need another runner to represent our country, join and just see how well you do. Realistically, I'm not even going to come close to last place, never mind winning a gold medal. So it's about challenging ourselves in specific circumstances in a position where we have the potential to achieve the outcome that we're desiring, right? The second part is obviously having clear goals. Like you want to have a pure and obvious result that you are trying to attain. You know, you're aware of what your intention is and what you want to achieve. So having that clear path or that clear mindset to what it is you're exactly wanting to achieve aids in, you know, that aspect of finding what flow is. The third thing being concentration. Obviously, you want to look at, you know, what requires con concentration. Basically, complete focus and engagement. When you're fully concentrated on something, nothing else can you know theoretically turn your head or take your focus away from whatever it is that you're doing if you're fully committed and determined and have that engagement in what you're doing that's heightened levels of com concentration and the last thing which was quite interesting was the autotelic experience can basically be described as the experience of intrinsic or internal reward and the enjoyment of individual experiences so it's the feeling that you get internally realizing or noticing that you're enjoying the experience that you're going through and i think that's such a beautiful way of describing such a thing you know like when you're involved in a project or a an exercise and you're actually getting those levels of dopamine from that experience when you're actively partaking in it it's it's a beautiful beautiful experience and in some ways i would say that is the primal and ultimate key when we're trying to figure out what flow really is because as soon as you're doing something and you you feel elated and overjoyed by the process of doing what you're doing you know you've hit the golden nugget basically that's how i would describe it you you want to basically look look at it as a balance between the challenges you faced and the skills that you possess to then overcome those challenges. So what are you capable of? 
what do you have in your armory that will allow you to get to where you want to be based off of the challenge that you're currently faced with. Now, the next point is something crucial, I think, when assessing what flow really is and what that level of flow is within yourself. And that's flourishing. You know, how, how does flourishing then fit in with flow? So another uh, definition being flourishing is the state of being when you as a person have a high optimal degree of functioning and subjective well-being optimal degree of functioning is basically there's nothing in that environment or in that mindset or in that spiritual well-being that can stop you from achieving your full potential or your full destiny as described from fate if you will i mean that's how i would that's how i would describe it right and then subjective well-being is how you feel specifically based on your level of consciousness and acceptance to your environment and your situation. So I'm going to read that again. Flourishing is the state of being when individuals have a high optimal degree of functioning and subjective well-being. Like, you're, you're literally functioning at the highest level that you can right you have all of the resources all of the support the environment is primed to perfection and you know within yourself that you are where you need to be now obviously when you when you say like to somebody you know i'm i'm really flourishing right now it's quite an easy word to just you know it's branded around quite a lot without complete and full understanding. You know, we just say it. You know, They're flourishing, I'm flourishing, we're all, we're all flourishing. But we don't always understand completely what that means. You know, where, where does it come from? I would say its main focus is around the highest optimal degree of functioning and subjective well-being. I mean, that's part of the definition, but it makes so much sense. I mean, a flower, for example, can flourish given the right environmental setup, the perfect amount of water, perfect amount of sunlight, the prime levels of oxygen in the air to allow it to grow. And it's essentially the elation at the highest level. Its primal focus is absorbed in the, in the intention of the experience. I mean, a flower is not concerned about the future, the past, um, it's fully focused on the present. And that present moment is the alignment of every single aspect of its existence. The levels of water, the levels of oxygen, the levels of CO2, the levels of sunlight, the temperature in the air, all of those contribute to its exact epitome of flourishment you know a flower is not going to stop flourishing in the middle of winter when it's ice cold temperatures and it has the potential to die within the first five minutes of 
you know, opening up and, and, and flourishing, it's not going to do that because it's not primed for it to do so, right? The only thing that matters in that particular moment is the process of improvement and ultimate well-being to ensure the next stage of its biological progression. So, in simple words, the flower is not going to open up and flourish knowing that throughout this process of improvement that it's going to hinder that process entirely. Its well-being is going to be in danger and there's definitely no chance of biological progression because if it were to start flourishing in those rancid conditions it wouldn't be able to reproduce and therefore its biological progression is completely eradicated. Now, again, moving away from a more scientific point of view to a personal point of view, flourishing is that that feeling of joy, of happiness, of encouragement, of confidence, knowing that what you're doing is fulfilling and you're getting the desired outcome from the actions that you're taking in your everyday life. That's, that's flourishing. In, in simple terms, that's what flourishing is. It's, it's being happy with your choices. It's accepting the environment that's around you and knowing that you're able to pretty much let loose and just be the person that you are meant to be. Now, if we again break that down into specific states and specific key points that lead to that point of you know flourishing we look at we, we need at least three right there's six there's six key points that i would say are crucial to being able to flourish but we need at least three of them and out of the six those six being self-esteem i mean that's pretty important you've got to have the self-esteem the self-confidence the happiness with the person that you are and the experiences that you've gone through and the acceptance to continue confidently doing whatever it is that you want to do number two optimism you've got to have a positive outlook on things right you can't be negatively assessing the future of whatever it is that you're doing you've got to be optimistic about it and see the good side and the optimistic side of it to ensure that you still have the drive and the confidence to complete it the third thing is resilience so yes you might have optimism but do you have the resilience to push through given certain circumstances or environmental situations where things don't look as positive as they were on the outset do you have the resilience to push through given given those circumstances the fourth thing is vitality again another word that can be misrepresented misused but vitality is essentially the health and well-being of either mental spiritual or physical states right the fifth aspect self-determination i guess you could somewhat link that directly with resilience 
how determined are you to get to where you want to be how determined are you to finish something and how determined are you to find that peak i guess of positive performance and personal acceptance you know because we all want to be happy we all want to accept ourselves and we all want to be accepted but how determined are we that we're going to get to that point even if we are hit by the biggest waves and knocked down and you know squished into tiny little pieces how determined are we to pull ourselves together regroup and go again and then the sixth thing is positive relationships I'll touch on that shortly, but you cannot achieve these states of being with a passive intention. It has to be actively sought out if you want to achieve this state of flourishment. Okay, if you have the intention to do so, you will achieve it. If you don't have the intention, you, you won't be able to flourish. I mean, going back to the flower, even in rainforests, with hundreds and thousands of space being taken up by huge trees and plants with wide leaves and you know taking up lots of space. But even given that, you still have plants right on the, the, the rainforest floor that are flourishing, that are, are, are flowering, that are thriving, and they do that with minimal sunlight, minimal exposure, tiny, you know, droplets of rain, and yet they still manage to come out of it in the end. But that's because they've got that determination and that active intention to flourish. They don't give a shit. They want to flourish no matter what. Their environment might not be that ideal, but they've they've taken what they have, what they've been given, and they make it work for them. And it's the same with anything, really. You know, evolutionary, certain animals or organisms have the prime environment to flourish. And others don't, but they find a way to flourish in their own way. Because again, if we take that definition of flourishment, you know, the state of well-being when individuals or beings have a high optimal degree of functioning and subjective well-being. Key there is subjective well-being, right? So it's not an opinion. It's it's a personal feeling and acceptance, really. You know, you you have organisms that can thrive in the harshest conditions, in extreme heats, extreme colds, with lack of oxygen and an oversupply of salt for example there's there's organisms that live in the dead sea and they're the only things that can thrive in such a harsh salty sodium intoxicated environment nothing else can thrive there but those things can forgive me i don't know what they are but they're, they're some sort of um organisms microorganisms or bacterias that live there they've found a way to flourish in those circumstances by means of evolution or you know the creator's intention whatever it is it's 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 intention based right 
So when it comes down to you as a person and, and what you deem as flourishing, it's completely subjective. It's subjective well-being. So you can't let other people determine what your subjective well-being is. You can't let people tell you how your flow is affected by the rest of the environment. Your flow is your flow. It's your vibe. It's your frequency. And you flourishing is based on that and based on your own personal beliefs. So, I mean, going back to positive relationships, when we look at flourishing, me personally, I would argue that positive relationships is one of the key factors in, de in determining the state. Why? Because this can be found with the intentional spark that comes from specific interactions. A relationship is the give and take that happens with an interaction. It doesn't always have to be balanced. It can be slightly uneven, slightly skewed. But what matters is that what you give matches somewhat to what you receive. It doesn't always have to be 50-50. If there's a positive outcome from those relationships, think of a symbiotic relationship of I'm trying to think now. <laughs> but the one that I can think of is like, it's a crocodile and it's a type of bird. And the crocodile lies with its mouth wide open on the riverbank. And the bird comes and picks out all the bits of um, meat and, and, and flesh, I guess, from the crocodile's victim. Uh, and the bird eats that. I mean, that's a source of nourishment. And you know, the bird's getting nutrition. Uh, nutrients what am I saying the bird gets nutrients and it's feeding and it doesn't have to do much to get it it's just you know I guess it does have to do much because it's busy <laughs> pecking around the the inside of the mouth of a crocodile with razor sharp teeth but um, the crocodile is essentially getting a, a free dental appointment you know it's getting all of this potentially dangerous leftovers that could be rotting and you know attracting bacteria etc that could eventually you know end up poisoning and killing the crocodile it's getting that removed um and it knows it's not going to kill these birds because they would never come back in and 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 remove the, the, the debris uh, if you will from its mouth so they sit there with their mouths open the birds know that they're never going to you know, shut their mouths and they're going to get free meal out of it and that's a symbiotic relationship one would argue that you know one's getting more out of the relationship than the other but it is a positive relationship now whether that example is entirely relevant to to my point i'll leave that up to you but i thought it was just important to point out you know what relationships really are and the defining factors of those relationships Now, from, from that, from that description, from that explanation, essentially now that we know this, we can accept that we simply cannot be in the state of flourishing all the time, right? 
based on all the factors of self-esteem, optimism, resilience, vitality, self-determination and positive relationships, you cannot be in the state of flourishing all the time. And that's why earlier I said, your state of flow can be a negative state of flow or it could be a positive state of flow. Flourishing obviously leans more towards the positive state of flow. But it's impossible to be in that all the time. And I think we put pressure on ourselves constantly from society, from the institutions, whether it's school, university, even our jobs that we that we work nine to five, whether you're in a nine to five, in your personal life, you know, you put your own pressures on yourselves. There is a lot of pressure constantly. And how do we deal with that? How do we come out in the end with a positive outlook? That leads me to my next point of finding your flow. Because flow experiences enhance the feeling of enjoyment, especially when you are motivated by what it is that's driving the flow. And you won't realize this, but you get into these states of flow every single day of your life. They might be five minutes, they might be the whole day, they might be a week, but you go through these phases of flow all the time. What do you feel in those moments? From the positive side, it's those feelings of enjoyment, motivation, concentration, commitment, resilience, determination. But the next time that you're in that position, I'd like you to think about what it is that's driving that. What is the fuel to that fire? Same if it's a negative experience. If you realize that everything is not going your way, you're frustrated all the time, decisions aren't happening the way that you want them to, what is the driving force behind those decisions? Is it something that you can change? Arguably, yes because we've just uncovered what flow is made up of. And yes, it might be a sphere of constant change, but so is a water balloon until it meets a prick and then it bursts. And then it's just a combination of millions and trillions of little droplets of water suddenly being broken out and there's no longer a mold. There's nothing holding it together. So next time you're in a negative flow, be the prick to that balloon, pop it. Stop that flow from continuing and break down what it is that started that flow and avoid it. Your flow is the balance between challenge and skill or ability in that given moment. Now, when we live by our core values, we flourish and this con contributes to our continued flow. Find that balance between challenge and your ability. Don't try and win gold medal in the 100 meter sprint when you've never ran a day in your life. Focus on what's achievable and it doesn't have to be big. And, and what connects to flow, essentially at the crux of it, as always, is a sense of mindfulness. 
Mindfulness is the state of being where individuals bring conscious awareness to the patterns of their mind. Bringing conscious awareness to the patterns of your mind. When you close your eyes and you try and meditate, and people say this to me all the time, I can't meditate because there's so much going on in my head. I've got so many thoughts, so many ideas that come and go and pass and crash into each other. Just notice them. You don't have to follow them, you just have to notice them and let them pass. Being aware of the patterns, what's recurring, what keeps happening. If you notice something and you let it go and it resurfaces, maybe pay a little bit more attention to it. If we start noticing things from an outsider's perspective and we start seeing a pattern, a recurring pattern, we find ourselves being a lot more concentrated, a lot more focused, a lot more in the moment, in the present. All of a sudden we forget about what's happening tomorrow, what happened yesterday. That anxiety all of a sudden falls away. And essentially, you know, that state of conscious awareness is derived from the Sanskrit word sati, which means to be aware of the present moment. Not worrying about what's happening or what happened. Focusing on what is. One of my favorite expressions is yesterday's history Tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift, and that's why they call it the present. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful moment, but one way to be more consciously aware of mindfulness is, you know, note this, we can often use our breath as an anchor to connect to the present moment, you know. We think, oh, we've got so much going on. How do I, how do I stop that thinking of the future, of the past? And how do I just focus on the present? Just use your breath. We're able to connect our spirit to this level of mindfulness. We are able to control the mind in relation to the body. If we start noticing our chest expanding, the stillness, and then contracting and we focus on that we focus on that feeling how does our body feel in relation to the clothes that we're wearing how does our breathing affect our position when we're lying down when we're sitting down how does it affect our brain when we take a very deep breath in and we get this influx of oxygen and Purity, how does it make us feel? We can focus fully on the present without being polluted by the happenings of the past and the uncertainty of the future. By being with ourselves, by connecting with ourselves, and one one last thing that I think is important to point out is 
flourishing and mindfulness are compatible psychological states through which we can conceptualize well-being and well-being is a part of that flow take what you will learn from yourself learn from your mistakes learn from your experiences and share with others connect with others and don't be so hard on yourself but the next time you feel certain emotions and you think that you're in a specific flow take a moment to pause and reflect and understand where that flow originally comes from when was that inflection point and how can you utilize that to either continue that flow or pop it entirely and i leave you with that namaste and as always never forget kensha sure.